I don't know what's going to happen when my kids get back. Maybe more exhausted. No, you probably won't be. Actually. You know what? I probably won't be. That's no, the thing. Because you're like a little off your fucking. Mm-hmm. You've been for years on a schedule, and mm-hmm. you're like waking up in the morning and the little assholes aren't yeah, fucking. Yeah, exactly, exactly. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. Tonight, we're going to guzzle red wine and probably talk about Donald Trump. We're going to do both those things. Great. All right. Let's what do you want to do first? Let's drink wine. Uh, let's just, just have some wine. I'm, what do you got on the stove? There's vegetarian chili. Mm. Well, hold on. Let's edit that out so people don't call us a pussy. <laughs> it's meat chili. Tons of meat. Five five meat chili. <laughs> oh, my God. There goes Wait, half of my friends. Right, right, right. You're part of the meat club, man. Come on. I know. You would just, we cannot put this on. I'll be crucified. Uh, but I feel like right now, it's like we're starting to ease into, you know, like we're in an arranged marriage and we're starting to accept the fact that for the next four years, this guy's going to lay on top uh, of us <laughs> and do stuff to us. And that's we have why, to resign ourselves yeah, to that. Yeah, that's why red wine is nice. <laughs> so this may just turn into a heavily drinking podcast. Okay. And then we just like blurt, you know, po- polit- political things out it's throughout it. Lubricate our marriage. Should we? Way. Yeah. <laughs> that was a step too far. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, get into it. Okay. First it, for, I, I just wanted to say before we get into our first topic. Um, Pizzagate. So we talked about that last time, oh and I talked about that as a you know a theoretical th- outlandish story yeah. about this pizza thing. And lo and behold, three days later, yeah. a guy goes in with a gun to this shop. Yeah, like how crazy is that? Off with his off with his head. <laughs> if I were the king, <laughs> off with his head. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, people are just sharing shit. I mean, I've been actually really I'm hypersensitive to it now. I've been unfollowing so many uh, like. I, what, what could be maybe credible places if they overreact with a headline or a, you know the clickbait I, i'm out dude done. i'm just not doing it anymore because it, it, it actually it's it makes me physically it physically has like a weird effect on me where i get disappointed <laughs> like i read one today that kanye and uh kim were getting divorced and i was like pissed and then i and then i did a little research and uh it's not real. Nothing, nothing of the sort. That's fake news. Oh yeah, and that's okay. the worst kind because okay. those two should be together forever. <laughs> I'm serious. It's America's couple right there. All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, maybe exaggerated headlines, how about that Taiwan call? Did you hear about that? I sure right. did hear okay. about it. Okay. Okay. So I just want to. Um, I'm going to let you tee it up because you know right. I got strong opinions. Yeah, I bet. I bet you do. Okay. But so I just want to read what the Chinese response was. So so for those who don't know, Donald Trump. For those who um, don't know. Dude, no one listens to this podcast. Doesn't well, matter. I'm just in the off <laughs> chance. There's off chance. Here's a little reminder, right? So Donald Trump basically just accepted a congratulatory phone call from uh, the Taiwanese uh, president, right? right. Um, and that caused a huge, you know, rift. Uh, you know, huge uproar with the the f- foreign policy community here. And China, so China puts out this newspaper called uh, the uh, the People's Daily, which has an overseas edition, which is basically kind of like trotting out their possible policy positions for the international communities, and they do it with their editorial. So their editorial right after uh, Trump uh, did this, and it was a front page editorial, which is kind of rare. Uh, it says that, quote, creating troubles for the China-U.S. relationship is creating troubles for the U.S. itself. Um and then goes on to say, 
that pushing China on Taiwan would, quote, greatly reduce the chance to achieve the goal of making America great again. <laughs> All right. So that's kind of their, 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 they're pushing back pretty hard. Right. So a couple of things. First of all, Taiwan. Why? Why is it such a big deal? Do you have any? Yeah, of course. What, what's it's a the fucking deal? democracy uh, surrounded by China. And they're not a democracy. So it's it's awful for them. Well, okay, so I'm going to peel that back a little bit, right? So, that's your job. so, so the the democracy—it's true, it's a democracy, but it, that's very recent. Um, for a while, basically, they had a dictatorship for for until basically the 1990s. Um, so, I'm going to was it a nice dictator? Uh, not not particularly. <laughs> okay. um, so, so jumping back, you know, this is sort of just you know, in a nutshell, you know. In 1911, you get in, in China, you get a revolution, mm -hmm. which gets rid of 2,000 years of emperors, right? So you get the birth of a republic and so on, and you get these two, one group, um, one's called the Guomindang, which is the name for the Nationalist Party, all right? Um, they're popular, they're popular in cities and stuff like that, but they can't really control the country. Um, so essentially what ends up happening and an indication of this lack of control is that by 1919, there's a big student movement, a very important student movement in China called the May 4th Movement, um, where in 1919, they all go to Tiananmen Square and they protest basically foreign meddling. And one assistant librarian um, from the University of Beijing who helped organize that was a guy named Mao Zedong. All right? And so Mao, he ends up a couple years later founding or being a co-founder of the, the Chinese Communist Party. The Guomindang and the Chinese communists worked together for a few years to like secure the country. And then basically by that time, there's this leader named Chiang Kai-shek for the Guomindang. He basically realizes that the communists, once they win, once they secure the country, the communists are going to attack him. So he does one better. He attacks them first and kills like tens of thousands of them. Damn. Um, and so this guy basically has them on the back pedal until the Japanese invade. And then finally, you get the victory. They fight together. It's all sort of back and forth. They're sometimes fighting together, fighting apart. Long story short, by 1946 to 49, they're fighting again. And this time, the communists win. Chiang Kai-shek and the Guomindang, they go to Taiwan. All right. So they set up a new government. So, right, so you had the republic. They call themselves the Republic of China in Taiwan. And mainland China is the People's Republic of China. It's the Communist Party. And since then, essentially, there's been this sort of rift where the Taiwanese government saying, no, we're like the authentic government. And the, you know, the, the People's Republic is saying, absolutely not. They're, they're basically just a small island country that, you know, we own. Um, I mean, it's crazy. During the 50s, like Mao bombed them a bunch of times. They bombed back. The U.S. intervened to try to like, you know, calm things down. And the, the craziest thing is that the way they decided to calm things down is that they decided that they were going to, the way to stop having a world war originate in Taiwan, basically over that, was that each garrison was allowed to bomb each other every other day. Right. So they would alternate days. Like, oh, it's your day to bomb. <laughs> like, there's our day to bomb. Right. So, so yeah, it's totally, it's totally, totally crazy. Um, so the big thing with America, like how America gets involved with in this is by 1972, you have essentially Nixon and Kissinger, they go to China, 
Um, and they announced this thing called the Shanghai Communique, where they're you know sort of announcing that you know, these are our views, and we're gonna you know it's better that we get along and so on. Um, and then in 1979, they finally open up diplomatic relations with China. All right, so full on you know embassies, all that sort of thing. Now I just want to read one quick thing. In 1979, when diplomatic relations were opened, this was the statement from the Chinese government from. The, PR, the People's Republic of China. As it is known to all, the government of the PRC is the sole legal government of China and Taiwan is part of China. The question of Taiwan was the crucial issue obstructing the normalization of relations between China and the USA. It has now been resolved. As for the way of bringing Taiwan back to the embrace of the motherland and, unif unif and reunifying the country, it is entirely China's internal affair. Mm -hmm. That's still the position. Yeah. All right. So it's not just, you know, I think there is this foreign policy community is like, oh, yes, we love the Taiwanese because they're Democrats. They're Democrats until they, they were dictators until about yesterday. And then they became uh, Democrats. Don't, right? don't take it away from them. No, like I'm, I'm, just, I'm just I'm just it's true, though. I mean, so so really the issue over China, Taiwan and the U.S. and the U.S. position is really a sort of Cold War hangover which was kind of resolved, mm -hmm. and now it's getting pushed back in. So what do you think? I've, I've read a bunch of stuff where, you know, Bob Dole's getting involved. I mean, all this kind of stuff is, Dole, is, yeah. is, is happening. Um, but what do, you, what, what, do you, what do you think about this? this uh, Drum roll? Yeah, let's hear it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the phone call. Why? Um, you, you were really sneaky right there at the end of your little rant <laughs> and you basically kind of like you made the whole that they're a democracy kind of you put you put like a little negative tone on it because it just happened but it did happen and if we're going to be the great freers of the people all, all over the fucking world um and someone in a country that is a a, dem a democratic elected president calls the united states of america which is our whole fucking thing we can't pick up that call. That's the message you can't send out. That's that's what we want. Everyone has to be, but our our own interests in China are bigger than our what we are made of. Like that to me is, it's a bit hypocritical. And also, I come. I, I'm at the the point where I've watched enough of this and I've done enough research where, you know, there's a dictator in North Korea. That if he had the opportunity, would murder everybody in this country. He would. He would. He would annihilate us, and th they don't really help with that. They don't really help with the North Korea issue. China can make that a lot easier on us. Like that's a that to me is frightening for us. Oh come on! I think you're totally wrong. Man. Why? Uh, because the North Korea issue is basically being handled largely by the Chinese, right? That what's that being handled? The, he's the, still he's he's testing nukes. All, what's being handled? All, okay, all, that he's not hit us because he can't. All of that sort of thing. I mean, I don't buy there, it. I don't buy it. No, no, no. So, so the 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 Chinese are essentially they sort of guarantee that on the one hand that they're going to support the North Koreans because again, Cold War, fellow communists, whatever. Um, and geographical proximity. No, and they like the and, ally well, well, against well, the United well, States. Well, it's a nice ally to have. Of yes. course, of course. But on the other hand, they also know that this guy and that state has been somewhat of a loose cannon uh, since it was born. 
um, and not doing things that are in their interest, right? That you want to have an attack dog that obeys you. They don't always obey, right? right? So that that the essentially the Chinese, they're the ones who are really tugging on the leash because they're the ones who give most of the you know agricultural resources and credits and stuff like that to North Korea. So they they pull back, they they give and, and so Amit, on. Right? The guy so, tests nuclear weapons. That is disastrous. We test nuclear weapons all the time. That's okay. We're <laughs> the United States. That's the point. You're missing my point. Okay. You can't be soft and hard at the same time. That's here's the thing that people are going to have to get used used to for for better or for worse. And and let me just preface this with saying I have a lot of friends that live in China and I love them and I and and I want to go there and apparently it's awesome. So this is just government to government. Um Donald Trump is not going to follow these rules. So we ju- th- that's the exact reason why he would pick up the call because he's not going to abide by the rules that every president goes into that White House and and obeys. That is just not how he got there. For him to pick up that call is going to motivate his base. It's going to make it's going to make people more patriotic and he's got a hell of a good argument in that it is a democracy. We should pick up calls from anybody, any nation that has democracy. We should never not pick up their calls. That's a bad message in my opinion. Okay. So I'd pick up the call. Listen, it, hold me to that. If I ever run for president, I'll defend it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd pick up the call, and then I will call China. So the guy, the guy. Listen, it just doesn't. It just just doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't compute. That the, Why? Because it doesn't compute with the entire the entirety of our foreign policy. We we love the Saudis. They are a brutal dictatorship. Um, and we love them. No, me and you and, don't love the no, Saudis. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm talking about the U.S. Yeah, government, yeah, yeah. right? The yeah. U.S. government, we love the Saudis, and we'll pick up their phone anytime they call. They call three in the morning, Absolutely. we're going to pick up, right? Absolutely. Um, not because they're Democrats, right? Because they no, serve our interests. Right? I know. They serve our interests, right? So in the same way, do you want to risk nuclear war because of the recent democratic renaissance in Taiwan? There's not right? going to be a you nuclear know, war. Because of this phone call. The nuclear war will come out of North Korea. That's not coming out of Taiwan. I think picking up a call, picking up a phone call is not going to, this is, to to, to insinuate that a phone call would lead to nuclear war would mean it's, we're hanging on by a thread anyway. So it doesn't matter. I also think the Saudi diplomacy is going to change under Donald Trump. I don't think it's going to be as friendly as it was. I do think we're going to have a huge shift in who our allies are and the way we do business with them. And I think if Donald Trump lives up to how he got to the White House, it's going to be really weird. Okay. I just, I want to end with this. I disagree. But, but, so you're but, not cool but, with this phone call. I, well, I just don't think it's thought out. I think, and if it is thought out, it's hyper aggressive. No, nothing's uh, thought out no, with no, this well, guy. Well, no, 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 because I've heard two lines. One is that, oh, this was just spontaneous and he did it. Was it was spontaneous. And, that, and that's what he said. However, all of his handlers and le- and people have been leaking is that no, no, this was calculated and so on because it's a sort of show of strength, a bold act no, uh, in front of the Chinese. Which, you know, it's not overanalyzing. It's what his own team is saying, right? I know, but they're lying. I mean, this is a fucking impulse. The guy doesn't do anything thought out. Everything he's done, which is why he's in the White House, is because it's impulse. Every soundbite, everything he says, and he'll take it back in two months. This was a probably an opportunity that came to him, and two days later, he was like, yeah, I'll take the call. With a, They talked a little bit. It was not a... Nothing this guy does is planned out. 
in my opinion. Okay, well, I, I'll just leave with this, um, that I don't think in the end, U.S. foreign policy is going to be what it always was. And there's a great line from FDR that sums it up. Um, back in the 1930s, when the U.S. was backing a pretty vicious dictator, a guy named General Somoza in Nicaragua, um, FDR said, he may be a son of a bitch, but he's our son of a bitch. Right. And that is essentially sums up the U.S. approach to foreign policy. It's not necessarily because we want to make nice with Democrats. If, if they happen to be Democrats, great. If they happen to be dictators and they serve our interests, great. But don't you think that's going to run out at some point? No. You don't. There you go. You're wrong. I'm right. Let's move on. <laughs> let's let's guzzle some more wine. This, if this leads, if the, a phone call from Taiwan leads to a fucking nuclear war, then it was inevitable. This is a good policy, and well, the th- the, it would have happened. The, the, the behind- thing about wars is that nobody, especially big wars, nobody wants to get into them until they find themselves in the middle of them, and then they go, look back and realize, oh my goodness, that was a tiny spark. That started something huge. You sound like a historian. Yeah, right. No, no, it's true, right? <laughs> it's just that it's rare is the time when people go to sort of full fledged, you know, all out, yeah. let's go to war, you know, 20 divisions at the border, right? That, that, that usually comes after a series of small slights, miscalculations on each for side. Sure, and sure. then suddenly everybody's mobilizing, counter mobilizing, and nobody wanted to go to war, and then you're at war, right? That's, yeah. that's how it often happens, right? So all I'm saying is that. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying is that, you know, communication's good, right? That's diplomacy. We right? got to talk. But, but on the other hand, it would be kind of like, you know, the Chinese government, you know, calling, you know, the, the Sioux Nation during this, you know. I'd be fine with know. it. Yeah, but the By US, the way, the US government think- would be having a conniption and, say, and saying that Don't why care. are the Chinese... Uh, meddling in the domestic Amit. internal politics, a, a police matter for the United States. I would love it if the Chinese called the, the head of the Sioux tribe to be like, hey, sucks what they're doing to you guys. I think it'd be rad. I'm cool with it. Let's call each other. We don't talk on the phone much. Okay. Do you think, you know, there's so much texting going on. That's a on. recipe <laughs> for just, I mean, it'd be great. <laughs> at least it wasn't a text. Like Donald Trump texts the, uh, it's like, at least they're talking on the phone. No one does it anymore. He tweeted at the time. All right, where are we going? Okay. We're By going. the way, you're wrong on that last policy and you're, you're part of the problem. I'm pretty much I just much want to right, throw that but, out there. But you know, we need okay. a Chinese expert that's not too busy grading papers. <laughs> We'll get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll hear what she has to say. All right. Um, I feel like we're going to be talking about this for a long time. I feel like we will yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing I wanted to talk about was the recent election in Austria. Um, so yes. this was a bit of good news uh, in terms of the various elections that have been going on. The only thing I know is that somebody that was uh, more liberal won. Yeah, Green Party, actually. The Green Party. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's the extent yeah, of yeah, my knowledge. Yeah. That and Hitler are all I know about Austria. <laughs> okay, yeah. I know that's yeah, fucked up. Yeah. I, know, I know nothing about Austria. All right, all right. Well, at least you know that Hitler was an Austrian. He was Austrian, um, yeah. and now they're like uber-liberal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well... They've come a long way. Yeah, well, they're somewhat liberal. I mean, they, they've... they 
they dodged a bullet to a certain extent. I mean, again, okay, so this was for the presidency, basically a symbolic position there. And the prime minister has the real power. So the pre- it's kind of like the president of Israel is just kind of, you know, total ceremonial position. Uh, but it would have a big symbolic meaning for a far right candidate to win that, right? Gotcha. So this guy, Norbert Hoffer, just a little bit about him. He's, Norbit? Uh, Norbert. 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 Great name. Norbert. Oh, yeah. Norbit. <laughs> Norbit. Remember Norbit? <laughs> yeah, Norbit. Okay. <laughs> His parents were big fans. <laughs> All right, His, He's a 45-year-old engineer uh, turned politician. A um, couple of, you know, uh, fun facts about him. He likes to carry a Glock um, around uh, wherever he goes, <laughs> ah! um, particularly on the campaign Does trail. Does he vacation in Alabama? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> which he describes as carrying guns as a, quote, natural consequence of immigration. Um, oh, and damn. he often tweets photos of him, his family. He has four kids on gun ranges uh, shooting and stuff like that. Um so he's part of this, he's the head of this Freedom Party of Austria, yep. um, which used to be headed by this guy who is basically a total neo-Nazi, um, Jörg Hader. Um, and Hader was basically going to be arrested by- Jörg uh, Hader? H-A-I-D-E-R. They got some names in Austria. <laughs> by the way, if your name is Jörg Hader, you shouldn't be allowed to be in office. Right, right. That, right. That's already, Jörg you've Hader. already been yes. warned. Yes, yes. His uh, contender was Conan the Barbarian. Um, <laughs> the the um, so no the he was pushed out and basically what you have is the pretty face of Austrofascism with with this guy. With um, is he good looking? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's like a good looking guy. He's relative. I mean, forty five is pretty young like? for he's a got politician. Like a, got abs? Um, I haven't seen him shirtless. Let's I don't know if he's, I don't I know if he's, he's got looking. the sort of uh, Putin. What physique. color hair is he? Got, is he blonde? Uh, brown or? hair, brown hair. Yeah, um, brown. I don't hair, like blonde guys. Brown like hair brothers. like Hitler. Um, yeah, but uh, so, but but anyway, he's not fat. No, no, not he's chubby. like a you know svelte, right? And he gotcha. looks 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 better than us. Let me put so it that way. Have you painted images? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just imagine like a. You know, uh, I'm thinking Vin Diesel right now. No, 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 no. Not Vin Diesel. Um, let's go. Uh, let's get. Yeah, let's. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go. For our ignorant listeners yeah. like me, <laughs> let's go. Don't actually Google what he looks like. Right. Just think. Right. You know, in terms of John build, No, I'm gonna go with oh, Vince Vaughn Swingers era. All right. So kind of tall oh, and skinny. Okay. Nice. You know, yeah. you know that kind of thing. Not necessarily Jack, but right. But but skinny, skinny, armed, armed. you know, yeah. Okay. I like um, that. So he loses, um, and you know, there's this whole history. You know, the Austrians are interesting. They they did some pretty good rebranding in 1945. Right. So they they basically <laughs> sold it that they were a victim of Hitler rather than a willing participant right. in Nazism, right. and so they were a liberated country, not. Um, a country to be punished. Um, Should they have so, been punished? Well, the, the the Austrian Nazi Party okay. and the Prime Minister there basically welcomed Hitler. I okay. mean, there's some people who are against it too, but but they basically welcomed it in there. Um, so, you know, Nazism and that sort of brand of anti-Semitism. And basically two things, anti-foreign feeling and a notion of a sort of greater Germany um, that, you know, might include all of the German speaking peoples in one place. That's very much part of the tradition in, in Austria. 
And this guy, Hoffer, is the latest emanation of that. So he's very subtle about it, though. So he used to, he, he, wore, he wears this little blue flower um, that, for those in the know, know that's the flower of pan-Germanism, which is the 19th century view that every German should be living in under one state, which Hitler was, you know, that's oh, why damn. he was, you know, so he doesn't, he's not wearing a swastika, but he's wearing the flower, wow. right? You know, so... Um, Here's the interesting thing. This is what I want to bring up. So I'm glad he lost his great, you know, defeat and so on. But I want to try to explain his rise, right? So Austria has some of the most aggressive um, anti-hate speech laws on the books um, to the extent where... Fair enough. Yeah, well, right. I mean, you certainly... And, and it's very different. You go to Europe, um, Germany, Austria, um, it's illegal to do the Nazi salute. Um, you can get, you can get fined. Um, it's illegal to have anti-Semitic speech and later on sort of anti basically name the social category hate speech. Um, it's illegal to deny the Holocaust. And so I'll just give you an example. There's this sort of pseudo historian guy named David Irving who came to Austria, uh, and he'd published a book denying the Holocaust and gave a talk in Austria and an arrest warrant was put out for him in the 1980s. Good. They tracked him down in 2007, Good. you know, for 20 years. He came to Austria, they arrested him and put him in jail, oh. right? So, and he That's was shocked. Intense. He's a Brit British historian, right? He was, I mean, I, 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 I let me retry that. He's not a historian. He's just He's a, a Holocaust denier. He's a conspiracy fucking theorist. Yeah. But, but. Um, and, 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 and a scumbag. And, yeah, right. So <laughs> he. But he gets put in jail, right? That's that's pretty for speech, right? That's that's pretty hardcore pretty uh, speech policy, right? So, nevertheless, this guy Hoffer had a real shot of winning, and even though he lost, he didn't get trounced, and that means that there is still about forty-four percent of the population that was voting that voted for him. So that sentiment is not going to just sort of go yeah. away, yeah. right? Yeah. So here's an interesting thing: is that you have a country, you know, like we talked a lot about how Trump rose through basically saying whatever he wanted, right? Open rhetoric, he can you know use what we maybe would call hate speech and stuff like that to whip up anger, votes and stuff like that. We have the First Amendment um, and we have the sort of conditions for that to rise. Where in Austria, you don't have the conditions for that to rise and you still have the rise of mm. a far-right guy, right? So, you know, my question is, is that, you know, can sort of policing speech or not policing speech, is that even the right way to go? Or are we asking the wrong sort of questions about quelling this this type of movement, which seems to be afoot all across the world. I mean, I'm American, dude. I'm, I'm completely for free speech. I understand their point of view. I get that. I get why they're so sensitive to Nazi uh, hand movements and, and that kind of rhetoric, but... I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, I could never condone that kind of behavior here. Or there, actually. No, I think it's bad. I think people, even as fucked up as this is sound, I feel like if you want to say racial racist shit, you should be allowed to. Just so that we can identify, you know, to me it's important. Like, to, to, to not let people be the racist, pe you know, have their racist views mm -hmm. and their uh, unpopular views. To me, that's a bigger risk because that's just because they're not saying it doesn't mean it's going to go away. I feel more comfortable... Knowing that there's, and by the way, I, I always feel like I have to preface this in front of my two Indian uh, counterparts here. Like, <laughs> I'm a white dude. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's a little easy for me to say. And I, I'm actually curious to see what you guys think. But for me, just in terms of uh, knowing, 
I, I would like to know where the KKK is. I'd like to know where their rallies are, just so we can identify where it's coming from and what we can do to educate people and, and try to get a grasp on it. Because if you if you push them down, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. It, it's just it's just human nature. They're going to still meet up. They're still going to be fucking scumbags. But like to take that away from them is is a mistake because that then you give them more power because they have a. Um, now it's like they're against us. They won't let us be who we are, and that kind of motivates people. You let people, you let people be their themselves in public. They can be changed. They can be shamed. They can be um, shunned by the their peers. But to put fucking laws on where people can't say stuff as horrible as it might be, like let them say it. That's their that's their piece. Let them speak it, and maybe that opens up a conversation. You could change it, but. How's that working? You know, like, the, the, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, that that's. You're brown. Of, what do you of, think? Yeah. <laughs> speaking for all brown people. Well, speaking um, for yeah, your yeah. brown body. Um, I, I don't know. Part of me is, is very happy that certain nasty things can't be said in public, in the public square because you would be shouted down, you would be shamed. And yeah. I kind of like the American approach to that, whereas that you can say it, but yeah. you should check yourself before what you say, yeah, right? We'll just because you, yeah. you have the freedom to say it doesn't mean you're not going to get attacked. Yeah, by the way, right? I'm totally for if someone says something, another person punching them in the face. Love that. But <laughs> I don't think you should be locked up for <laughs> right. saying stuff. Right. So, but the the other side is that, and they're just looking at their own history, is that when they allowed this radical speech it. run rampant, uh, and, and they had more sort of, you know, more democratic politics, right? Weimar Republic is like, you know, you had all these, par- all these parties wouldn't be siphoned off. Like what we call third parties, there was like, you know, seven parties, you know, and just, and that was yeah, just no. like on the right, you know, it. so, and every, you know, everybody you get, you know, you get democracy, you get it warts and all, right? So you, you get every, you every everybody, all? you've never heard that oh, phrase? No, <laughs> right? I love it though. By the way, yeah. uh, everyone listening, I'm going to be saying that once a podcast, <laughs> right, nice. warts and all. So the other side of it is that, okay, you, yes, anything goes, but then yes, truly anything goes. And what happens when you get basically a critical mass of people who start rallying around what I would call hate speech, right? You know, so, and that's essentially what's happening all across Europe. It's happened, uh, I would argue in India, um, and it's happened in the United States. Uh, it's happened in Britain. Um, and so, so take a stance. Are, I mean, so you think there's a middle ground? I mean, I, I, I'm very much, I actually don't, I actually don't on the one hand, I think, you know, speech is how we live our lives, right? So speech matters. It's, you know, it's our everyday life. On the other hand, in terms of actually changing somebody's politics, um, I don't know if the lack of or over aggressive policing of speech is necessarily going to change people's politics. Historically, does that work? I mean, it's you can, but it's usually very repressive regimes, right? Right. So you have, you know, like you know, like the like, Soviet, like Soviet, no, no Facebook like in China, <laughs> right, right, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. So you know, no you fake get, news, you know, yeah. So I mean, on the one hand, yes, it it can be effective, but you're not going to live in a really free society anymore. Yeah. Um, on on the other hand, that's the thing is like with a free society, you get all the crazies too. Yeah, you know. So and what happens when the crazies get in the driver's seat? You know, that's that's kind of the issue. Um, 
but I just I just thought it it's a testament to how you know what you're talking about you know above ground versus you know underground yeah you know Hoffer was able to sort of cloak his speech so well you know I'm not going to wear the swastika I'm yep. going to wear the flower I'm not going to talk about yep um, I hate Jews or Muslims I'm going to talk about safety yep um, and he, and I'm going to talk about uh, economic. Uh, nationalism and things like that, right, which is all way. code, right? Yeah, it's it's all code, right? So that's and, what I'm saying. There's yeah, always so, going to be a way. Yeah, so, let him throw his fucking hand in the air so we can know who he is. Mm. That's all I'm saying. I like to know. I like to see. I like to watch where they are. Okay. I want to know where the sharks are. Okay. Before I go swimming. Fair enough. And by the way, I'm afraid of sharks and swimming pools. <laughs> that says anything. <laughs> it's real. Are you really? Terrified. Sharks in swimming pools. Swimming pools. Nice. Yeah. Nice. My mom, my mom had six kids. You know how you uh, make sure none of your kids drown at the beach? <laughs> Sharks are in the water. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're in the bathtub. Yeah. You know how else you 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 have six kids and they'll drown at the beach? You, you let them watch Jaws when they're six or seven years old. That's in the pool. Yeah, I'll be like swimming in a pool at night at somebody's house, and I'll be like, dude, there's something down there. <laughs> I'm out. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. I get anxiety. You gotta, you gotta see. Don't like about the water. That. All right. No, I'm cool okay. with it. Okay. Okay. Are we done? Skip you alive this far. Yeah, we're done. We're done. That's it. Yeah. What did you learn? I wonder what you learned. That should be a new segment because you, you're wrong about you're wrong about you're no, no, wrong no. about Taiwan. I'm I'm not wrong. I speak from a place of Listen. just being a human, and you're wrong. You're you have too much history in your head, and I understand that. It's why you're panicky and you're afraid it's going to start something. And and obviously, I think that's good. I'm not projecting. I'm I'm basically saying that. I understand, not that I, not that I endorse, but I understand why the Chinese government would come out with, "Hey, if you want to make America great again, don't mess with us, right? Don't stop talking about Taiwan, right?" So that they have a very, that's coming from a very real place where, where it's literally, it's, 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 Taiwan is such a settled issue for them. It would kind of be like, hey, you know, America, why don't you bring back slavery? You know, and like it's no. kind of like, no, no, it's literally on mainland China that is so settled that Taiwan is, you know, part of the People's Republic. They can call themselves what they want, but it, it's just, that's it. Amit. Yeah. Maybe one day the United States will fall like Rome did. But until that day comes, you cannot be afraid to, to pick up a phone. You can't do it. You can't be the world. You can't be the self-proclaimed, and I think in reality, world power. And you know I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm against war. You can't take on that role and not pick up a call from a democratically elected president in any part of the world. It's hypocrisy and the problem with the world, and you're right about the Saudis and us doing business with them, which I'm against, is we have to stop being the, hypocrites. The Saudis are the tip of the iceberg. No, no. I mean, I'm sure you could sit here and talk about it all night and, 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 and give me a good lesson. But you know how I feel about the Saudis. I'm, we need to stop being hypocrites. We should take a call. It's not like we're uh, putting missiles uh, in Taiwan pointed at China. If that were happening, the Chinese could be really angry with us. Kind of are. We're not. Until uh, missiles are there. You're overreacting. We've been selling them military material um, for decades. Your stock is going down in the <laughs> I'm just gonna let you know that right now. You're going to the bathroom. I'm gonna put you in the bathroom. Go to the, actually go to the bathroom right now. I'll wrap bathroom. this podcast up. Oh, really? <laughs> All right. Uh, shit, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Fun. We're gonna have a lot of. Chi- we have a Chinese expert. I don't know, is that what you call her? An Asian studies expert? A China expert. Yeah. China expert. Yeah. 
But she does a lot, so she speaks fluent Japanese too. Okay, so she's yeah, she's the man. We're, she's you know, hopefully in the new year, Asian history. We're gonna start concentrating on China here. We're gonna make a change here on this podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna call China myself. Okay, I'm gonna make stuff happen. Anyway, no politics at the dinner table is produced by our boy G Beta Roy, uh, and we want to make sure we always forget to do this, but like we have a pretty good uh, Instagram and Facebook going on right now. Like it's pretty active. We have actually have people talking to us mm-hmm. on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, did you see that? There's like a woman who uh, commented, and I was like, "Hey," I'm, she was like, "Oh, I, the great podcast guys," and I wrote to her, and I was like, "Yeah, sorry, it's a really a struggle trying to make Ahmed look cool." She's like, "I thought he looked," she's like, "I thought he looked great," and then I looked at her profile, and like, we're not friends with her, and I was like, "We have a fan," and I was like, "Oh my god, you're awesome!" So it's happening. Okay, so get on board now because uh, we're like, we're be- no politics at the dinner table is like the Trump campaign. If you're not an ally now. We will forget about you. Are we, we make are a we, We're making lists. You know we're making lists. We don't. I mean, no one's on it. <laughs> <laughs> no one's done us wrong. There's no. No one knows about us. Uh, all right. So we will. Uh, we'll be here next week. Yeah. See you next all right, week. See you, dummies.